0: Welcome to this entrepreneurial edition of Talk Commerce. This week we interview Maureen Mwagi and talk about branding experiences with businesses. We learn about Maureen's passion for branding and how she gave up a six-figure income to follow her entrepreneurial journey. Maureen goes over some of the basics in branding, including businesses big and small. This is a great must-listen-to episode for any business that is interested in branding, which includes everybody. And now, your free joke: The CEO of IKEA was just elected Prime Minister of Sweden. The first thing he'll do is assemble his cabinet. (laughs) The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by SwiftDotter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet SwiftDotter. SwiftDotter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento certification study materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. All right, welcome to this entrepreneur ver- entrepreneur show of Talk Commerce. Today I have Maureen Mwagda. How did I do there? I think I butchered it the second time. Mwagy. Mwagy, sorry. Maureen, Maureen, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us what you do, and one of your passions in life.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me on this uh, episode, Brent. Um, so like you just introduced me, my name is Maureen Mongi and I am a brand group strategist uh, behind some of the most beloved American brands like L'Oreal, Chobani, Davin, Lays. Uh, but I also run a consulting company called Stattered Consulting, which is a consulting agency that's dedicated to teaching product-based entrepreneurs the sales and marketing strategies they need in order to create new household names. In addition to that, I do have a nonprofit organization called Taji Foundation. Taji Foundation really focuses on educating the boys in Africa throughout their high school education so we can start the process of building generational wealth because in the African context, the African context, (laughs) um, education is the level that allows you to access anything that you want in life.
0: Wow, that's that's exciting. Can you give us a little background on your journey? Like, How did you end up where you're at?
1: So my journey actually, my entrepreneurship journey actually started at the dinner table with my parents at a very, very young age. So both my parents are entrepreneurs. They do run a product-based business that primarily focuses on selling and supplying building and construction materials. And they've done this Ever since I was born, it was actually a family business for my grandparents. But one of the things that really sparked me to get into this journey was the fact that my dad would constantly talk about the challenges he was having when it came to branding and marketing. And I really couldn't understand what was so difficult when it comes to branding and marketing. So I really had a deep desire to figure out what was going on and see if I could actually help them because as small business owners and growing in a family where both parents are entrepreneurs, you really survive on that. Your high school education, your primary, your college education hinges on the success of your parents' business. And I really wanted to see them successful. So when I, uh, when I, pursued, so I pursued a bachelor's in finance, realized that investment banking was not my thing. And at the time, at the point in which I was graduating from my oh. undergrad, there was this huge influx of data analytics and data being the next thing big data big data everybody was talking about this and many people were like if you can tap into this segment then your life would be golden so i tapped into it uh, when i was doing my my marketing my master's program and little did i know that business analytics was actually marketing analytics which really taught me how these large CPG companies have a ton of data and that's what they actually use to inform their growth. So learning that it really got me into the space of brand strategy, brand consulting, uh, marketing, which led me to understand what big brands do and showed me the gap between big brands and small brands. And I started using that knowledge into my parents' businesses. Saw tremendous change and, lo and behold, allowed me to pivot into a, a small and medium-sized entrepreneurs. And that's how I got into this space of coaching and consulting for physical product-based businesses.
0: Um. So um, in if somebody came to you and they had a product, where would you start? And, and would you make a difference between somebody that came to you with a brand new product as opposed to somebody that has a product that's been around but hasn't been marketed well?
1: Yeah, so definitely how you build, grow and scale a physical product uh, depends on what stage of business you are in. So, for example, if you're really coming to me with an idea, you're coming to me with a concept. What we would focus on at the very first time is really building the identity of this product that you want to bring to life. Like, who do you want to market it to? How do you want to position it? Um, What is the problem you're solving? What's the community that we need to start creating? So we would really do the groundwork for you you so that you can build a brand that really becomes a market leader from the get-go. If you're a seasoned entrepreneur, many times you've already done this. So you're coming to me uh, because your marketing is feeling fragmented, you're having challenges selling, the first thing that would really look at is your product assortment because many people think that they need to have lots of products in order to be successful. But one thing I've really seen and one thing big brands did really well is really being surgical, having very few products and marketing those products very well because a brand is known for one or two things. And that's how you continue building that community. So, how I would approach an emerging brand versus a seasonal brand is dependent on what stage of business they are in and what problems they're, they're solving.
0: Um, you did, you, so you mentioned physical branding. How would you differentiate a physical brand from a conceptual brand or, you know, like just the brand of a podcast? How would you? Would you make a differentiation between those two? Like if you were to have an iPhone versus a brand that's, that's software or something like that?
1: So you mean a, personal, a digital product versus a physical product? Or do you mean a personal brand versus a physical product?
0: No, a physical product versus a digital product. Would you see that branding as the same exercise or, or would you see that as two different types it's, of exercises it, it in branding? Would,
1: it's two different exercises because of the end consumer and how they're what they're thinking about before buying. So for example, a beauty product, if you're selling a hair care product, somebody's thinking about their hair and the problem they have with their, their existing hair. For a digital product... It's So I'm thinking if you're selling uh, a book, right, P- somebody's probably thinking the author first, then the book. So it's the, the, path, the, the, the way the consumer sees and thinks th- about things on the front end is very different. So the marketing would be very different. If it's a book, you're thinking more about the, about the personal brand for that person. What are, what are their values? What are their convictions? What, the, what, what, what are their beliefs? What, are they, what do people like about them? For a physical product, what what does it do to my hair? What's the solution to my hair? You know what I'm saying? So it's very different. It's soft and hard. If I if I can say that.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess I don't understand what a hair care product is, so we can we could just move past that one. <laughs> I'm making a joke, as I'm bald. <laughs> um, so you, so for your for yourself personally, you would. You do you work with just physical product branding or do you do do you venture out into other types of product branding? I do
1: physical products in the beauty space. So you think skincare, hair care, cosmetics? So anything somebody can apply and use on their body?
0: Okay. Mm -hmm, Interesting. mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned gap, the gap between a small business and a big business. How do you you identify that gap and what is it that you use as a metric for that gap?
1: So the gap between small business and a big business is based on, first of all, the revenue threshold, (laughs) A, B, the size of the audience, C, your brand awareness in the market. Those are like the three things that I usually use to evaluate um, the gap. And of course, like when I look at most of the small and medium sized companies, nobody's trying to be a Nike, but they're really trying to be recognizable within their community. So if you want to make uh, 10 million in your product based business, and right now you are at a million, the gap is nine million, what do we need to do in order to A, increase your sales, B, increase your audience, C, increase your awareness? So there's a, an awareness uh, aspect, there's a marketing aspect, and then now there's also now the sales aspect.
0: Okay. So somebody comes to you with a conceptual product mm-hmm. uh, th- that that there, the gap would be huge compared to yes. L'Oreal or something yes. like that. So in, in the conceptual product, uh, they've just invented some kind of skincare product. You would help them come up with that strategy to grow that product into the market and then reduce that gap over time, obviously. reduce
1: that gap over time based on what their personal desires are. You know, there's some people who are just like, I don't want anything big. I just want something enough to feed my family. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> so you would, um, you would take into account the person who has the brand in how they would like to market that. Exactly. Brand. Um, so from a journey, uh, from a, so from a brand new branding journey, what would be the first bit of advice that you would give to somebody when they come to you? Let's just go back to, um, I, I have a new hair care product um, and I would like to start marketing this or brand. I guess the first thing would be the branded, right? Yes, so, so you so said branding, marketing, and then analyzing how that growth is going?
1: Absolutely. So the first thing we would do is discover your brand secret sauce, right? What is the pricing? What is the positioning for this particular idea product you have? And what would be the, pa- what would the packaging look like, right? Cause that's the core foundation of any physical product. It's a pricing, the positioning and the packaging. The second thing we would do is we would start working on how do we build obsession? What do I mean by building obsession? Is how do we start creating a community of raving fans that understand what you're putting out there, and the minute you put your product out there, they're willing to buy. Then the third thing we will do is how do we build some sex appeal? What do I mean? It's what is the perception? How do you people want to? What, how do you want people to feel when they come to your your social pages? How do you want people to perceive you when they go to your website? And how do you want your graphics to look like, right? Standing out on e-commerce is very big. Standing out on retail is another is another big thing. Then the last thing we would do is maximize your sales. How do you truly want to grow? Do you want to grow on e-commerce? Do you want to grow on retail? And if you do want to grow on e-commerce, what are some of the, the things, the levers we can pull? Is it increasing your customers? Is it increasing the average order value? Is it increasing the frequency as to which people buy? Each of these have different strategies. If it's retail, where do we go? What's our best retailer? How do we connect with the buyer? Where do we want to be placed in a store? How do we market and position ourselves in retail? So literally everybody has to go through those four paths in order to have a business, a product-based business that's sustainable in the long run, because truly this is the essence. This is the backbone.
0: And um, I I think that's, that's super interesting, and I'm I'm very still I'm very interested in in um in the exercise you'd go with go through with a new person and uh, let's just go back to I have a brand new conditioner that I'd like to sell and uh, it's it's a vegan based conditioner or something like that so you would you would like to learn a little bit about me and what my values are and then you would walk me through a process and how we brand that and would you go through all the steps including physical look of the bottle and all those other things?
1: So, so okay, so in each step, so let's go back to discovering your your brand secret sauce. What that was step one. You have a hair conditioner, right? What does a conditioner do? How does that come compare to the competitive landscape? What is what is so different about this conditioner? And why would somebody buy it? You tell me the unique value, probably tell me it's uh, it's made of high potent ingredients while the conditioners in the market are not made of with high potent ingredients so because of this the potency the results are much faster the growth is much faster the 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 retention the length retention of my hair is much faster that's we are positioning okay pricing what are you what are what are the costs to bring this conditioner to the market we work on that pricing because once we're, we know your pricing and we know your positioning, we know how we can sell it to your customer. Then the last thing is the packaging. Okay, you you there's a standard way of how conditioners are bottled, right? <laughs> how people are getting them, it's it's a glass bottle. What do we want your label to look like? What do you, what are the features that we need to put on the label? What is the main ingredient that we want to highlight on the front on the front side of the label? Then on the back side, of course, do we want to highlight your brand story? Do we want to highlight the directions of how people should use? And what are the main ingredients the, at the back of label that need to be there? We've already discovered your brand secret sauce. Then we move to the community. Who is this person that needs this hair conditioner? What are they grappling with? What is the problem? Why, why would they search for you? We begin to speak to them. What is it that they're doing? Are they using 10 different conditioners and expecting a different result? Are they detangling their hair very differently, hence the breakage? So we start educating our people and finding them where they are. And really putting this polarizing content so that you can reel really in the people who get you. That is how we start building that uh, obsession, which in essence is like marketing, marketing to your ideal person. Right? Then we move into your building sex appeal, which talks about mood, graphics, and perception. What what What's the look and feel that you want your entire brand to have? Right now, we're talking about a conditioner, but we have to think about it as the bigger company. Are you going to be bath and body? Are you going to be just hair care? What do you want people to get out of it? Do you want people to get a sense of freshness? Do you want people to get a sense of minimal routine? So what are the colors? And and colors play a very big part. What what is the aesthetic on your site? What images, what photography are we going to use to elicit this feel that you want your audience to get from your your business? And then the last thing is, okay, how do you want to sell this uh, this conditioner? Do you want to do it on e-commerce or do you want to do it on retail? That's now sales varies depending on your personal preference. Should you choose e-commerce? We now think about, What are the organic ways of selling online for this hair conditioner? Chances are high as you're teaching through your education, as you're building that obsession, you're probably talking uh, with the product physically and you're telling people, go to my site and you're going to buy. So it's how do we continue to ramp up the strategies up until you have a fully fledged hair care company, if that's what you desire.
0: And is there a point in which you would, Uh, hand them off? I mean, would you have an endpoint in which you go through the branding exercises, you go through your community exercises, uh, you build out the, as you said, the, the, the appeal of the product, get it selling, would you then hand it off to a marketing company or do you help the client in that part as well?
1: The marketing is already built in. So I usually hand them off when they feel like they know how to take this to the next level. Right. If you, you feel like they're ready to implement and run with this for the next 12 to 24 months, sure, go ahead. But at the end of the day, I've given you the infrastructure. I've given you the foundation. I've given you the building block. At the end of the day, many people think we need to do more, but it's it's more of how do I do less but do it really well? Because if you continue with this trajectory, your business is going to become bigger than you ever expected, and I have seen that for my clients. Because now you get bigger accounts, larger wholesale accounts, larger, you get a presence on stage. So, so many people are buying you. So all you need to do is keep repeating. There's nothing you're starting again.
0: Uh, you mentioned earlier community mm-hmm. and, that, and the community stage of that. Can you explain or can we dig into that a little bit more and what you mean by community and how that affects the branding?
1: Community is basically what people talk as raving fans. Because at the end of the day, the success of, a, I would say, any business hinges upon your raving fans, hinges upon the people who will talk about you when you're not in, in the room, hinges upon referral marketing. I can speak to being in this industry. Referral marketing is product probably the best strategy in my business that has the highest ROI. But it goes back to that community, finding that one person, providing that service, that transformation, and let, letting them go and talk about you when you're not in the room, right? Because and I and I talk a lot about community because many people just think I need to run ads or I need to do marketing in order to be successful. But you forget on how do I reel this person in? How do I make them love me, love me, and everything about my brand so much? that is what I call community. People who will constantly come back and buy you on repeat rather than just buying you on trial one time and disappear.
0: So in a sense, um, this community would be the same for your own business, for your for your personal branding business that you're trying to get clients and for a physical brand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and getting them into that community you'd use all kinds of social tools uh physical tools like speaking and and things like that
1: you you would you would use them that would be the vehicle but what would keep them is your why because branding is why people buy you marketing is how they find you what is that why as a personal brand why (laughs) why should you be attracted to me why should you stay and listen to my messaging are you connecting with that? As a physical product, why should you buy my physical product? I can go to Sephora and get so many different hair care conditioners, but why should I buy from you? That's the why. That's a why that will make people spend $50,000 on a consulting package and $100 on a physical conditioner. Well, the average market is probably selling a $1,000 on a consulting service and $20 on a hair conditioner. <laughs>
0: that's. Um, uh, I I mean, you bring up an interesting point about the pricing part of it. Do you help them with that pricing? Because pricing involves a lot of different things. I'm sure the client has some responsibility in figuring out how much it's going to cost to put it together, but then you help them come up with a retail price for that?
1: Yes, that hinges on your why. Like,
0: okay, so the retail price isn't always necessarily based on a multiplier of the cost of your product. It includes the why of your product as well?
1: So it's, it's, a, it's technically the cost of your product is your springboard to profitability. The markup you have on your product hinges on the brand development work you do. The people who can have margins of the cost is 10. So think about Shark Tank. They'll go and tell Mark Cuban, "I have my cost is 10, but I sell it for $100. That ninety is the profit, the brand, the why, how they're communicating.
0: So, is there a is there a multiplier that you would? No. Uh, going back to the no. dark, but no. there's a, some. Okay, so you just you obviously you want to have some you want to have some profit, I, and I've always said it never really you never really make up for for a loss on volume. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. a little joke. Sorry. <laughs> um, so you would. You would, um, obviously, I guess then the brand identity and the why, the more compelling that is, the more profit you could potentially have built into your product.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then on the packaging side, uh, do you work again? You go back to that why and, and figure out what is the packaging going to look like?
1: We go back to more of the aesthetics. The, the the feel, like what do you want people to get out of your packaging and what do you want people to get out of your physical product messaging? So it's more of what are the features and benefits that matter that needs to be on the front of label, as well as what is the look and feel you want people to get from your entire brand or business. And, and for me, I really, and I'm just going to call this out. I do the strategic part of it when it comes to the design. I partner with other designers who will bring this to life together with us.
0: So you'd work with a, a designer to yeah. come up with the look and mm-hmm. feel as well as the physical packaging mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everything would yeah. fit into. Uh, and that would be appealing on either a shelf or yes. uh, on a website mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, is, is there, I am sure there's a difference if you were to sell, you're trying to sell it at whole foods or target or just straight, uh, consumer D de- to, uh, direct to consumer. Yes. um is there a different brand is there a different strategy you'd go about when when say trying to do a direct to consumer versus going through a wholesaler
1: no no
0: and positioning it in a um a particular outlet you would you would try to uh, i'm i you know again i'll 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 show i'll show my ignorance on hair care products mm-hmm. um but there must be a uh um there must be a premium level outlet for hair care products and then
1: yes a so, bargain
0: outlet like Walmart
1: absolutely and so that goes back to who are, who you're talking to and who you're selling it to because the person who is buying at a premium outlet is looking for something very specific compared to the person who's buying at a low low, uh, low level outlet doesn't really care about like features and benefits for them it's probably price so how you display this 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 product will differ based on who you're talking to. And so you really goes back to defining your finding your secret sauce, it's who who is this product for? Yeah, you're talking to the more premium buyer? How a premium buyer buy a shops is very different from how a non premium buyer shops. Well, the features and mat- the features and benefits that you put in a premium product vary from the features and benefits you put from a non-premium product because of the buying behavior is very different.
0: Um. So I have a question for you. How did you go from a building company making the leap to a hair care company, or from from a from a, uh, a skin company, or, or or branding for a building company to branding for, uh. Personal health or personal products. Like you said your parents had a building company. Were you able to make that leap easily or is that something you've did you've done over time and because you're in you're not so interested in building products?
1: I think I think there's a disconnect here. But technically the principles are the same. How you market, how you sell, how you position is the same. It's just the product that varies. So, for example, that was like building physical products. I have marketed for food. I've spent the vast majority of my career working with snacks. It's, it's a different physical product than a skincare, but the principles are exactly the same. It's just, it's just understanding who's the, who's the recipient on the other end and what matters to them. If I'm marketing a healthy snack... I'm going to really focus on the ingredients in the snack, how the snack has been manufactured, the convenience of the snack, the ease of use, the less messiness, because that, those are the features, that's the DNA of the product. Versus the DNA of a hair care product is the consistency, the quality, the, the packaging as it's study. For building, it's like, okay, within the building, what is the segment? Are you selling pipes? What is so good about your pipes is their durability, right? So it just you just I think I personally think I've just been gifted in knowing who's the end recipient and working reverse engineering what they're looking for and fixing it into the product. And-
0: yeah. So you ask you, you're asking questions about the customer, yes, and how that customer relates to that yes. uh, product that you're selling exactly. No matter what the what the product is, yeah yeah that makes perfect sense um, so your your um your entrepreneurial journey how can you help um, other young entrepreneurs uh, get into what you're doing or help them enable them to to be an entrepreneur is Is there anything that you think you could teach somebody or do you think there's something within you that drives you to do some of these things?
1: One thing is I've always known I'm called for more. But most of us know that we're called for more. The bigger question is, are you willing to take that leap? At the end of the day, you you have to bet on yourself, right? So for me, what I did is I listened to that more. I understood what that more was, but I betted on myself. I took a leap of faith and let this process uh, unfold. I became obedient in this journey. I became disciplined in this journey. I invested where I needed to invest in order to um, get success. And all all what I did was I trusted. So are are you willing to trust the process? Uh, Are you also willing to trust yourself? If you feel like you're called for more, if you feel like you're being pulled in a different direction. At the end of the day, that's
0: what it boils down to. Um, I've always thought because, uh, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for quite a long time. I won't tell you how long, Mm -hmm. but um, um, that there has to be some energy, some internal energy that you that you put into something to make something happen. And I can't exactly describe what that energy is. But if I'm interested in doing something and I want to try something new, it has to start, maybe maybe it's the motivation, maybe maybe as you said, it's the start of the process or listening to the more. Um, the energy it takes to get that going is something that is hard to describe to people. Uh, is, that, is that something you can relate to, sort of some kind of inner energy that pushes you to do something new?
1: Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think it's we're talking about the same thing. It's like an inner energy for me was like, an inner desire to, to do something greater. Like I always felt like where I was, was not, it wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, it was like, I need something. I I can see what it is. I, I know what it is. I just, I just, it's where I am, it's not working. And I think that's what I was saying. It's like trusting that and going. And many times it usually goes into impacting people, leaving a legacy, uh, people something bigger than you if if I may say because they mm-hmm. motivate because also people have motivations I was also very motivated in corporate like in corporate I was the kind of person who aimed to be promoted every year and I got it but aside from that motivation there was still something else
0: do you think as an entrepreneur um that the your motivation is is money, or is it something other than that?
1: It's something other than that. If I got into this thing with money, I'll probably be out of the game. I would go back to my amazing six figure paycheck <laughs>
0: um, and uh, I again, you know th- this is very hard to put a finger on it, and I agree with you it, it, for me, it's not money either. it's mm-hmm. it's something that um that you're 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 trying to achieve. Is there any, is there ever a time when it is enough?
1: No, I don't think there's ever a time it's enough, but I do think you get to a point and you feel like I've done my work. Like, I feel like I've left my, the mark already. I feel like even if I was to die today, I've impacted somebody. And I think that's part of the journey. Because more, more often than not, and you probably can relate, our visions are, tend to be big, huge visions that you're always working towards. So, in, inevitably, you probably never get to that vision. But as you're getting there, you're already having an impact and a legacy. So, I just feel like you get to yeah. you, when you look back, you're just like, "I've done it. I've I've done it." I've already left a mark, so it, and it's what conti- propels you to keep going because this journey still has its ups and downs.
0: Um, so after you've done your work, you move on to the next thing, the next interesting thing?
1: Mm. Well, well um, the next interesting thing that still leads me to the vision.
0: So your vision is um, well. Your vision could change, though. You, you could be interested in new things. Is it? Yeah. What is the vision then? That for you is it? Is it a common vision that's always going to in the same direction, or do you think that your vision is going to change over time, and you might find something new that's going to drive you in a direction?
1: It it evolves. It, it's been evolving, but I feel like the the premise is the same. It's always impact. And legacy, but it evolves in different ways. So initially, it started as education, and that's what I lead with. But now it's it's morphing into uh, providing basic needs, or real estate. It's really morphing into different things, but it hinges on the same. it's Like the premise is the same.
0: Um, I think in the beginning, you mentioned um, about um, helping um, helping younger people in Africa. Yes. Can you can you talk about that a little bit?
1: So so in the African context, everyone we're always told you need to go to school, you need to study, because up until you get to a certain um or up until you get a certain degree, then it's going to be possible for you to get opportunities, right? And in the African context for the last I believe for the last Ten to twenty years, there's there's been there's been a huge push on elevating the woman or, or elevating the girl child, the the females. But then the boys have been neglected. So you will find the, the the women are doing so much better. They have access to resources and opportunities, but our boys don't have. However, it's such a patriarchal society that the boy has to do really well in order for for him to be viewed as successful but the only way he can do really well is if he gets access to basic education and gets access to opportunities and so that really made me just got, felt made me feel like there's a gap and we've really supported our women we need to now support our boys And so that's what prompted me into getting to um, sponsoring education for the boy child in high school through college, because that is usually the pivotal point in which things can either um, in which somebody can either make it or break it.
0: That's that's um, an interesting perspective. So, um, I mean, I, I guess I've been to India quite a few times, and I think in India it's it's the opposite still where, the, the boy child tends to have all the opportunities and it's a struggle, uh, for the, for the girl child. Um, is, um, is, how do you have a foundation or do you have anything that you can recommend if we wanted to help?
1: Uh, for me, I have, I have a foundation called Haji foundation, which is, it's pretty, it's at its small scale level. Cause literally I started this just t- tipping over from my finances and now I'm getting it in, in, uh, my income sorry and now i'm getting it incorporated into my company right now so working on the back end to fully make it be uh, a part of the company but that's that's on my end when it comes to uh, organizations in kenya i don't know of any but i do know of many for girls <laughs> very very many <laughs>
0: um the um I know that for from the industry I'm in, we're we're a digital agency, and Africa has traditionally been an overlooked country. Yeah. From, well, maybe with the exception of South Africa, mm-hmm. but the rest of Africa has been overlooked in terms of uh, of bigger corporations uh, going into Africa for um, for uh, partnerships, for deals, for for building out websites for companies or or whatever. Um, how do you think we can improve that?
1: I think the first thing people need to do is get immersed into the culture and get immersed into understanding what are the changes that are happening. I think a lot of people don't spend time to understand what is Africa made up up of outside of South Africa. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like people don't travel, people don't get to talk to the people, interact with them. And so because you're not in close proximity to somebody who's grown up, lived there, you won't know what's happening. And unfortunately, the media portrays such a negative image that puts us at a very huge disadvantage. So I think the first thing would be get immersed in the culture just by understanding the people, connecting with them. Second step would be taking a trip there. Like if you go to like I, we usually sit here as Kenyans and we're like if people only went to Kenya, they would never come back. And true enough, those who go to Kenya never come back here. Like it's it's just that you go then you're like oh it's very different. You notice like the mobile penetration in Kenya is deep, like. It's funny here in the US, we walk around with our credit cards. Like you always have to have a Visa card, a MasterCard. In Kenya, you don't even need a card. You don't even need cash. All you need is your mobile phone. As long as you have your mobile phone, you can pay for anything. Your rent, your food, your transportation. Like just think about that. And and, and when I tell people that like, oh my God, so that means everybody has a phone. I'm like, everybody has has a phone. Then think about mobile money becoming so integrated into the community, no matter where you are. And so when I think about them, like, if only companies knew how much data is available in Africa, think about what the magic would look like. Digital agencies in Kenya, like, people, website, the whole concept of a website, it's a good, it's a nice to have, but nobody understands the value because we haven't shifted a society to going to buy on a website. So think about the gap that exists right there, right now.
0: Yeah and I think I and I I'm familiar with the mobile payment system in in Kenya and I think part of that is that it started before the smartphone mm-hmm. the payments have been around since those little tiny phones that, the little candy bar phones that we used to use uh back uh, uh 15 years ago um and it's I think it's very exciting and I I think the you know the mobile revolution that's happened and the um underdeveloped countries that are Pushing into that mobile realm, where many people don't have an email address, and so not having an email address sometimes cuts you off from buying something online uh, in 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 most of the developed countries. Mm-hmm. So, moving to having SMS and moving to payments with with mobile, I I think is where the rest of the world will eventually get to. But Africa is there already. Yes, and I think that's very exciting.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's amazing.
0: Um, so we have a few minutes left. Um, what what do you um, what what are you reading and what are you keeping up with in your industry? so for, for branding, how do you stay on top of the disciplines that are involved in your particular uh, job or, so or right your now, your yeah go ahead
1: right now I'm reading um, Byron shops. How brands grow is actually what I'm looking for right now as we're doing this. I'm looking at how brands grow, what marketers don't know. So I really, I really look at the books that are coming out, look at their top leaders in this space, read their articles and now what's, aside from reading what's happening in the physical space, I'm also reading on what's happening in the service space, right? Because. Many people are starting service businesses. How do those brands grow? How do those brands build brands? You know what I'm saying? So that's that's what I'm reading right now, In, and it's actually like studying, not reading and reading like one time. It's like studying and thinking and researching because that's what helps me <laughs> understand what's happening. In addition to that, one one thing that I plan to do next year is really travel to different expos. Like I know of a natural a food expo where we have emerging products display themselves traveling to beauty brand expos just to see what's happening out there when it comes to product development and innovation
0: um so one one book that i can recommend um for people starting or getting into as an entrepreneur is called traction get a grip on your business it's by Gino Wickman
1: yeah i have it um
0: and that you have it okay I so have that it. that does
1: <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I have it, but I have my own th- points of view when it comes to it. I just feel like it was written for a, a sort of established company. As an as an entry level emerging, some of the things can literally fly by <laughs> by you. So, um, if he's looking for a piece of advice, is that if he can have a scaled down version of traction for people getting into this industry, that would be perfect.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. I I guess I've never I I've read it a well I've read it a number of times. Um uh but uh I've never thought of it as a person starting a new business. Um uh it it does give you a framework and there's other frameworks around that. Yeah. Uh to do that. And then, uh, there's a practice called entrepreneur's operating system. Mm -hmm. If you're in an established business, Mm -hmm. that's kind of based on traction. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, what, uh, what kind of advice if, if I'm going to start a new brand and let's just say I have my, my little, um, got my little squeeze guy here. I want to sell this. What would be my first step in, in getting now that I've, I've already this is my concept. Let's say, mm-hmm. how do I, what what's, what's my next step? And I'd like to sell these.
1: Would what would you give me as first my first step advice, of advice? First, first step of advice would be think more brand and less product. If, if that's, that's one thing big brands do so well, they think more brand, less product. If you focus on brand building brand messaging brand, this, You're going to get your message out there in such a seamless way. Because when you think about product, you just focus on moving this physical thing, but you don't think about it from a bigger perspective. And the brand, if you think about the brand, it will allow you to think bigger and go global.
0: And what about for your own personal brand? What, what, um, if you were to, if you were to think about, um, a brand that's a service type business yeah. or a agency style business yeah. and they're starting off as a young entrepreneur or a new entrepreneur mm-hmm. what would that be any different than yeah, than what me, you've just described for a physical
1: yes i would definitely say put out your convictions like don't water down your message to match what somebody else is, is saying the certain things the certain beliefs that you truly uphold and you stand by, call them out, put out your conviction.
0: And um, I'm assuming in that then you would, you would say, try to focus as much as you can on those things that you do well yes. and try not to, not yes. try not to be everything to everybody. Yes.
1: Don't water down your messaging. Don't water down your service. Don't water down your products. Just. Truly be in alignment and stand out and speak out for what you believe in and play full out. You're going to find your people because the market is looking for that. The market is looking for messaging and people who are polarizing. The people are looking for something new. People are seeking for something new and different. Be that thing.
0: Um, and, and as we, as we close out today, uh, I always give somebody, I I give people a chance to do a shameless plug so you can promote or plug anything you'd like today. What would, what would that be?
1: I would, I would love to promote my upcoming signature live event happening October 20th, 25th. Where I'm really going to be talking about the entire equation of branding, positioning, marketing, and selling your physical product-based uh, physical product-based uh, business. If this is what you're looking for, if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking to understand how do you accelerate your revenues, increase your profits, and build this brand I've talked about, come and join me. It's going to be five days of me teaching every single day for one hour, and you will leave with so much knowledge, so much information to allow you to start building sustainable businesses.
0: All right, and I will put that in the show notes, mm-hmm. and I better get this show live be- before October 25th.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Um, so tell us, uh, g- give us your business. What, what? How do people contact you? Uh, what? Uh, what? Um, yeah, tell us how we can get a hold of you.
1: Um, you can get a hold of me um, on my website. You can go to www.startwardconsulting.com, which is S-T-A-R-T-W-A-R-D-consulting.com. If you really want to hang out with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Maureen Mwangi official.
0: And is there an unofficial one too? Then
1: <laughs> that's a hidden one for my parents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, excellent, <laughs> um, Maureen. This has been a very fun time. I appreciate um, I, I appreciate all your insights, and I look forward to trying to sell my little um, my little squeeze guy. <laughs> Um, and I i mean, this is our this is our giveaway thing. So just to let everybody know, it's a little luchador that uh, this is for our 2020 conference. And um, this was 2019. So I do some crazy things come out of my head Mm -hmm. and that little beanbag back there was 2018. Anyways, um, thank you again for being here today. This has been very fun and I will get all those show notes. I'll work on getting the show up and live as quickly as possible so we can all attend your event on October 25th. Thank you. It's October 25th through October 30th.
1: Yes, correct.
0: Excellent. Well, good. It's been nice having you and um, thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce. New shows out every week. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by SwiftDotter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers, too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TalkCommerce for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com.